And welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're so excited to be with you for this next episode, and we're talking about a strange new world, a wonderful book that's come out, and we've, we've been uh, working our way through it. We encourage you to pick up a copy, uh, but we are living in a strange new world. We're trying to help you make sense of how we got here, and of course, this podcast deals with Christian worldview. It deals with how to uh, look at the world through the lens of Scripture and how to make sense out of the increasing mayhem and chaos and uh, insanity that's all around us. And I don't know about you, but thank God for the Bible. Thank God for for His Word. Thank God uh, for truth, because otherwise we, we are in a strange, strange world. Well, you were mentioning a recent interaction with Senator yeah. Hawley from Missouri, I believe. Right, he's one of the uh, senators from Missouri, yep. And had an exchange with, I'm not even sure what the committee hearing was about. You can tell this little Yeah, bit. yeah, he was on a committee hearing, and uh, and he just boldly confessed what would seem like absolute uh, uh, a ridiculous statement, unnecessary statement. He just publicly stated that men cannot get pregnant because evidently that was being put forth in some uh, Senate, in some committee, um, as truth. And when he said that, the, uh, the the person who was pushing the other agenda, who believes that men can get pregnant, it's the whole transgender illusion, um, that person just went off uh, talking about how terrible and hurtful that comment was. And again, this is just going against, we're beyond going against science, because uh, science is clear that men cannot get pregnant. It kind of takes us back to where we were in our last episode uh, on a couple of uh, radical ideas. It's maybe a good way for us to segue back uh, to, to where we came from so we can move into what we want to talk about today. Yeah. But talk a little bit about uh, where does that idea come from? Uh, and how, I, I mean, to where we would not just simply laugh at a person who would suggest that men can have periods, that men can get pregnant. I mean, this is this is silliness. Yeah, I mean, gone the days when me and a bunch of guys would sit around and praising our wives saying, I don't know how she goes, you know, yeah. she's able to go through four <laughs> kids. There's no way I can go through, you know. Uh, well, gone those days that we can make that distinction yeah. uh, as, as, as a blessing that we as men don't necessarily have to go through, you know. It's something that seems so obvious and non-controversial on the highest level on our national national government uh, capital is having all kind of controversy. Well, it, it falls right in that category of uh, I am a uh, man trapped in a woman's body or vice versa. You know, it's it's the same thing. So here I am. I am a man, and I think I can become pregnant. Where does that come from? What, let's go back, I guess, to a couple right. of our guys well, last week. We, we first talk about Rene Descartes. Yeah. You know who who basically embraced the idea that I think therefore I am. So in, in many ways, the center, the found, the beginning of truth begins with me internal and inside. Whereas before we found ourselves in an external world, a very much God-created right. world, um, and our job was to figure out how we fit in that external reality, right. where now everything was turned upside down for Descartes, and he starts going, wow, where can I find certainty about anything? Of course, he was a product of his, of his times. There was a lot of of uh, cultural uncertainty, unrest. A lot of uh, corruption, a lot corruption, of yep. uh, hypocrisy, so a lot of lack of uh, trust in yeah. institutions. Basically, yeah, that's right. He's saying, hey, who, who, where can I put my right. confidence? Where can I be absolutely certain that something is, is real and true? And yeah. for him, he had to go all the way back to the reality that the questioner, me, I am the only thing that I, uh, that I know for certain is real. So the fact that I think and therefore I am is the foundation of understanding anything that is true. Now, you brought out a good point last week. Descartes wasn't a godless man. He wasn't an atheist. He was very much a Christian man. 
Um, but his significant idea was that the locus of, uh, of truth, the, of certainty, is not outside of us in God or in a God-created world, right. but inside of us um, in our own thoughts. Right. And then we fast forward to um, uh, Rousseau, who, who <laughs> kind of took this idea. I don't know if he took this idea, but he came with this idea basically that human beings are born good. Yep. And the social institutions all around us keep us Which again tur- turns Christian theology upside down because yeah. the Bible, of course, teaches that we're not born good. We're born evil. Uh, we're born fallen, selfish, yeah. uh, that there's something terribly wrong with the human race uh, after we get to Genesis 3 in the fall. So he disregards uh, biblical truth altogether and basically says you're a good you're a good person it's the outside world it's the institutions that mess you up yeah the oppressive institutions like family and church um that that yeah, corrupts as, we, us. as we pointed out he didn't put government in that category sure. government was a great thing for for uh, rousseau but he put the institutions that that uh the bible highlights yeah. uh because again this is coming very much out of an antichrist kind of spirit so so the institutions that are bad are not the state. That state is actually great. It's uh, the 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 uh, uh, nuclear family, yeah. and it's the church. The two institutions that have this nasty habit of putting expectations and accountability and structure and morality, imposing that on you, which yeah. of course he was rabidly fighting against. Yeah, was, uh, he himself rebelled against basic uh, institutional restraints like being a father you know being a husband stuff like that you know right was a terrible father and, and we, i want to point out that as we start moving ahead with some ma- these major idea makers and shapers these folks are scoundrels when you look at their lives when you look at the outcome of their lives uh you see that um their ideas were from the pit of hell because uh, their the fruit of their ideas lived out in their own lives was disastrous and i think that's one way you can tell whether or not a worldview is true like does it lead to the good life does it lead to a life that other people want to emulate and certainly with rousseau uh, it does not but his ideas about, the, about authenticity and let don't let anybody outside you define you you may you're your own person you know, um, follow your heart, follow your dream. I mean, this is this is Disney movie stuff. <laughs> no, this is ro- the root of romanticism. Trust yourself, you know, right. trust your instincts. Your heart is good. Your feelings are good. Yep. Um, so that's where those ideas came from. Um, I was going to say something about Rousseau. I forgot. Yeah, well, you know, I went to see, remember that movie that came out that was so uh, so great? Uh, um, uh, it was... Uh, with the two, with the sister and she's singing. Let oh, it frozen, go. frozen, frozen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought the movie was about because all the, the when it came out, all the the advertising of the movie had to do with this moose, and it looked like this funny thing. So you like the moose? Yeah, I like the moose. But then I go take my kids to the movie. I'm thinking I'm going to see a moose, and instead, what I really get is Rousseau <laughs> put to music because when you listen to all the songs, yeah. in fact, that song, I mean, it was a ballad of of Rousseauian philosophy. Just harn- there's so many little girls drinks they love that song let it go so much hey it's girls a, let it go ged- it's a bad song a dedication to we're so like ideology it yeah. was because it was all about yeah. just what you said man get in touch you know with your heart and your dream and that nothing's impossible and you know and all this let go of all restraints let go all your responsibility just be yourself you yeah. know yeah your, your kids crying your kids hungry you know you know your kids have night terrors forget 
Yeah, just let it go. Just let do your own go. thing. <laughs> That's my through my lens, right? As a, as a dad with a bunch of uh, young kids at home, it's like, no, I can't let it go because they're depending on me. You know, and and and, and the, these messages are are done in the framework in which you know they can tell stories. The 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 uh, family expectations seem so oppressive. So sure. so it gave him a compassion and bent, right? But if you take these ideas and you push it to the very end, all of a sudden there's no restraint whatsoever. You know, doesn't matter. I have a covenant relationship with my wife for years. Doesn't matter. My my kids look up to me. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to live my own life. You know, no accountability, no expectations to anybody else except right. yourself. And that's an ugly, ugly world when that worldview is lived out because yeah. you just become a a self-centered, narcissistic monster. No, you know, nobody lives with people right. like this. Right. And we're going to look at a, a self-centered, narcissistic monster in real life as we transition today into one of the major thinkers. In fact, his philosophy uh, uh, is still impacting America probably more than ever today, even though we've seen the, the horrific results of this philosophy lived out in real life. Um, nevertheless, Karl Marx is still speaking from the grave, and we want to get into him today. But before we do, um, a couple of things just by way of significant points, to, by way of review. We said that modern self uh, gives significant authority to our inner feelings with regard to our identity. So what you feel about yourself, even if, you're, if you feel uh, like you're a woman or you feel completely different gender or whatever it is that you feel, your feelings are, take preeminence over everything else. Uh, that is one of the components of modern self. In addition, uh, the modern self also largely rejects the idea that human nature has any intrinsic or moral structure or significance. So before, as Christians, we would say, well, Andrew, you're created in the image and likeness of God. That's what gives you mm -hmm. value. Your value comes from your creator. But when you throw the creator away, like many of these philosophers did, and you start off with a godless universe, uh, then human nature really is nothing unique or significant about it. Like we might say, well, you're human, you're different from a dog or from a cat uh, because you're human, but we would not say that your nature is different than that of an animal. You're just another animal. Yeah. So if, you, if there's nothing unique about human nature, and that we're really just like the rest of the, of the world or the rest of the material world, um, then it means you're pretty much free to, to create whatever you want to create and be whoever you want to be. There, there, there are no expectations for your nature. There's no sense of morality. There's no sense of uh, we shouldn't do this because we're made in God's image or any of that kind of uh, a structure that would be placed upon human nature. Yeah. I mean, this cop has no moral construct. Right. This, or nor moral uh, constraint on him. Right. Or it. And so yeah. anything material in a yeah. materialistic world, godless world, basically has no external uh, construct or structure placed upon it. It's free to be whatever it Yeah. Expectations. Can be. Yeah. Expectations of, of how you ought to act. So th act. there are no moral codes. Yeah. Those are the, that's that, that expectation placed on you by right. God. There are no moral codes. And so anytime in this culture, and this is Marxist system to the max, anytime somebody says, like, like for instance, for the abortion debate right now, we say, you know, it is morally wicked and wrong for us to take human life, innocent human life. That is evil. Um, under a Marxist ideology, it would simply be a term of, well, that's just your personal taste. There are no morals. It's just the oppress, oppression group mm -hmm 
oppressing the, or in this case, oppressing women. It's, 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 it's white men mm-hmm. <laughs> oppressing women uh, and robbing them of their reproductive rights. In other words, there's no inherent morality in the act of abortion. Uh, that's your. That's up to you. It's whatever you want to do. And basically, nobody should enter. We hear this all the time. Nobody should ha- intervene between you and your doctor uh, in that decision, uh, because there is no, no moral uh, value inherent in the decision, other than the, what you, the value that you place on it yourself. Yeah. Uh, there's no outside. We can't say abortion is wrong because that's a uh, that that is a, simply a matter of taste, personal taste. And um, this is what happens when you live in a godless world, a materialistic world, where um, there are no transcendent values or truths. Right. In, in that world, when there is no transcendent, there is no overall judge, a referee over the universe, which, you know, that's what God is. Right. Um, basically, when there's moral constraints, when I say, hey, this is wrong, you shouldn't do this. Um, I'm not really giving morals. I'm actually controlling you. I'm actually manipulating you. I'm right. actually using. I'm actually oppressing you. Right. right. I'm using. I'm using my uh, my personal taste and what should or right. shouldn't be to oppress you to keep you subjected and to keep the status quo the same. Right. And then the only problem with that mindset, and I should say the only problem, the problem with that mindset is even as you're saying, "Hey, there's no moral code." And you're oppressing me. I'm oppressing you in the process because I'm throwing my moral cold on you. <laughs> right, right, right. So, it, so it's, it's, uh, it's just a matter of switching chairs. So all, all you've done is you made everyone against each other. Everything that's said, every viewpoint, it's simply there's no like there's a moral code, and we need to discover it. We need to collaborate and find the best moral code together so we can have the best life. We're not. We're no longer collaborating. We're no longer trying to do this together and find the best life together. Right. That, that's a unifying factor. Now we're against each other. Now we're at odds. My my value versus yours. We're oppressive. We're divisive. If I my microphone's bigger, uh, my voice is more oppressive. Then I win. So yeah. if so if there's no Thus saith the Lord. Yeah. Then it's thus saith Andrew versus thus saith Ron. It's a dangerous world, yeah. And and, and if if I already have this template up that says whenever you speak, you're attacking my authenticity, as we talked about last last week, then we set the world up for one big massive uh, splintering of all these different groups, right? Which sounds a little familiar to America right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly what we have. It's postmodernism. It's the it's the belief that there is no unifying uh, Meta narrative, yeah. larger story that holds us all together, and so you're living for you and being authentic to you. Yeah. You're creating your own life. I'm creating my own life. And, and when it, they're in conflict, guess what? We're gonna we're gonna have to fight because I have to be true to myself, and you like I, you have to be yep. true to yourself. Yep. Yep. And whoever uh, whoever has at that point the which gets back to Marx, if the world is only material, uh, then for him he looked at economics as the lens by which people control one another. So. Yep. Whoever uh, has the most resources, the most money, the most most power right. uh, controls the world. And and if there is no transcendence, there is no God, there is no eternity, there is no afterlife, right. then basically whoever dies with the most toys wins. I mean, right. that, that's materialism, which really comes out of a but, uh, Marxist kind of worldview. But that leads to basically most nations throughout the history of mankind, which is one domineering empire, emperor gets into place mm-hmm. and everyone's not obeying because of transcendence, because of power. 
And meanwhile, this emperor is just waiting for someone to assassinate him and kill his family. And he has to hold everyone in dominating power structure because there's no transcendence. And he eventually gets assassinated or his kids gets assassinated. Right. Another emperor comes in place. I mean, that sounds familiar to, to most absolutely because there's no transcendent value. And, and America right now is so divided. And there are people who, who follow his ideology. It's like, we just want to keep the peace. When you cut off the, the ideologies of transcendence, of God and universal truth, this is what you're going to have. We're, we're going to cascade more and more into those things. Yeah, or you, or you get, like he said, like Mark said, the state becomes the all-powerful arbit arbiter. All right. So this is this whole push for globalism and, uh, and global human rights, which don't come from God. They're made up from people. Uh, and we're trying to find common ground, kind of like yeah. the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Trying to find a way that we can unite the whole planet. The Not problem is we're ignoring fallen human nature. Yeah. Um, we're ignoring some of the foundational truths from a Christ-centered worldview, and it's just not going to work. Um, you know, no, when, when there is no transcendence, yeah. for Marx, he under he turned the whole thing upside down. He understood if there is no God, then then all we have is the material world, and if all we have is the material world, then he's looking at a world where, uh, and again, this is probably a good point. Most of these ideologies came as a reactionary uh, point to error that was happening. So you look back at Descartes, you know, he's looking at a church that's corrupt. He's looking at government that's corrupt um, and sometimes wrong um, as it relates to uh, scientific discovery and some, some yeah. of those kinds of things. Uh, and he begins to question everything. Well, you go back to, to Marx. Marx is looking at um, the beauty of capitalism in terms of, of how it brings great blessing, but it only brings great blessing if it's, run through the lens of a Christian worldview where I understand that my I am responsible for my blessing to be a blessing to yeah, others. You understand stewardship and generosity. Exactly. And an awesome balance, right? We care but, for the poor. Yeah. We help raise people right. up. We get we provide work for people. The workers we, worship. We yeah. pay them we pay them a fair wage. I mean this was the uh, the free market capitalism that came out of the Reformation. Uh, that led to un, uh, untold, unimaginable blessing for nations. Yeah. It's a, it's a great thing because it it it, it is a it, it, it plays into human freedom and human dignity and human gifting, all made in the image and likeness of God. But if you have wicked people that are oppressing their workers, which which happens right when you have ungodly people leading in a capitalistic system. You're going to find people under the weight of uh, injustice and, and poverty, and, and you're going to find people that are nothing more than cogs in the wheel. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of the socialist bent people, even in America today, are, are reacting against is why are there some people that have a whole lot and why are there other people that don't have hardly anything? And isn't that unfair? And so I think it's a reminder from a biblical perspective that we need to care for the poor, that we need to provide opportunities that wherever the gospel goes, it elevates and lifts people. But wherever, whenever capitalism minus Christ goes, it, it exploits people. Or it can't exploit people. And I think that's what, what uh, Marx was reacting to here was that he gave the example, you know, this guy makes chairs all of his life for his boss. And the boss gets the blessing of, of the prophet, and this guy is so poor he can't even afford to buy a chair that he's been making his whole life for his family. And so, you know, again, it's class warfare. It's it's let's get the workers revolting against the the management. You know, we see this even today, and we got we got all the battles in the steel mills to the north of us. You know, the management versus labor, and and. Uh, 
Uh, it's yeah. still it's still present in our culture. Today. And I just want to speak to that a little bit. You know, I've been working with a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, and, and business owners. It's interesting because, you know, sometimes business owners talk about the employees. They're like, oh, you make so much more money. But the business owner's perspective is like, but do you know how much weight is on my shoulder? Right. You come to work and you just go home. Right. My work doesn't end. I'm liable for every single one of you. And when the company doesn't make money, you guys still get a paycheck. And I don't. So you want ownership, but do you want the responsibility, responsibility and the infrastructure we have to create? Sure. Now, and, listen. and largely, too, we, we feel this whole spirit of covetousness and jealousy yeah, and there's, envy. There's, yeah. You know, look at you. How come you got that nice car? You know, so. Right. And that's what Marxists exploit in every culture. Absolutely. They agitate. They, 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 they stir people up. And largely, it's, it's look at what they have and look at what you have. Well, um, now, are there uh, business owners and, and entrepreneurs who do take advantage of other people? Absolutely. That's why the message again is not to have no to diminish and and tar and feather all the business owner is to encourage the business owners to treat workers worship and really see their employee as their number one ministry you see how this message of workers worship you know, coming in november uh, market share conference we're going to be really, talking about it's really things. a solution to this issue <laughs> yes it's, it's not saying we're going to get rid of it is we want to disciple the business owner so they see that their employees are the greatest blessing god's given them they want to empower them they want to turn them into their greatest potential empower them and enrich them and all those good stuff yeah see, you see all that's tied together right so you can see we're constantly swinging into reactions of of wrongs and really the the middle is where the biblical worldview yeah uh Proposes. Of servant leadership. Uh, absolutely. Jesus coming and washing people's feet. I'm the leader, but I'm going to go and serve you. So let's let's talk about Marx's view of religion because it's fascinating. You know, we would say humans created in the image of God. In other words, we exist because God exists, and we, we cannot know ourselves unless we know God. Marx turns it all upside down. And Marx basically says, since there is no God, humans create God and God is really just the the perfect ideal of what of the life I wish I had or the of the, God is the perfect qualities of the qualities I wish that I had yeah. uh, but it's a figment of our imagination God's not real God doesn't really exist and so religion becomes an opiate as some of Marx's the masses yeah. an opiate of the masses talk about that a little bit what, what does he mean by that yeah basically the world is a harsh harsh place and in order for us to cope for us to um, pacify these pain, yep. to numb the pain, <clears throat> to create religion, to to soothe ourselves. It's kind of like a lie. It's a fairy tale. We tell ourselves, like Santa Claus, we tell ourselves, um, we're not, you know, only kids believe or little kids believe in Santa so Claus. So heaven is just yeah. a, pro a projection of this ideal, perfect place that... that Takes me out of the yep. misery, the alienation. That was a big word for Marx. Yep. People are alienated. Um, and so this idea of heaven sounds so great. Life after death, boy, that sounds so great. But of course, these are just fictions. It's just it's just like our opium. It helps us get high so we can deal Escape. with the, it's the, escapism. the misery. That's and he's right. saying stop taking this opium to masses. Stop, you know, stop... Uh, uh, Stop this naivete and face reality, face the harshness of reality. Now, this is an interesting concept, too. He said, we we touched on this, but the, the morality that was promoted by my boss at work mm -hmm. was simply his way of creating values that further to control me and to keep him in power. Right. So he gave the example, you know, this is why Marx hated, for instance, marriage, because mm -hmm. Because the Bible says, hey, Andrew, be faithful to your wife. Yeah. Don't go, don't be a womanizer. 
um, and go home to your kids and take care of your children and and take the money that you work, you make it work and, you know, don't waste it on, on alcohol and drugs and all that kind of stuff. Be, be a good family man yeah. and love your wife and be submissive. That's another good biblical quality. So submit to those in authority. Yeah. And so basically the morality of the leadership class, the upper class, was simply created to keep the lower class in place. So if you have a guy that goes home to his wife, raises his family, submits to authority, doesn't whine, doesn't complain, doesn't murmur, you're going to have a great worker to exploit for your own good, yeah. as opposed to a rebel that basically says, I'm sick of this, I demand more, whatever. Uh, so he hated uh, you know, the uh, conventional family, you know, uh, traditional family unit, and really saw that it's just a, an opportunity to exploit the worker. He, looking through those lenses, you know, and again, based on the corruption he might see in the time and the exploitation of the workers, that's what makes sense. He kind of put two and two together and say, well, let me piece. I mean, seeing through every, seeing, seeing through lens of really high skepticism, right? Yeah. The only reason they say that is because they want to oppress you. The only reason they want you to obey that <clears throat> is because they want to explore you as a worker, you know? And that's really his mentality. So, so he doesn't just say, oh, oh, a religion is an opiate. It's like, hey, it's not good for you. Don't do it. He's actually saying religion is oppressive. Right. It's toxic. Yeah, we have to we have to free our. It's kind of again, it's taking Rousseau to the next level. We we have to throw the shackles of religion off of us uh, so that we can stop being oppressed. Now, now, are there religion, world religion, that is absolutely oppressive? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Other absolutely. Absolutely. world religion that's completely made up and is 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 taking human uh, <laughs> attributes and throw on some inanimate object. I mean, the Bible even talks about that. You know, sure. you start worshiping this golden calf or <laughs> making whatever. idols, absolutely. making an idol, absolutely. <laughs> but again, it's kind of what we talked about earlier. You start swinging this pendulum, whereas there's still a truth. There's still truth in there about about transcendence that he missed. Absolutely. You know? So. And, and so Marx is laying the groundwork for what we're seeing in America today. And as I read some of these and we talk about these, tell me if you don't witness this all around us in our American culture. Yeah. Um, and this in what we call the social imaginary, the the the, the uh, intuitive kind of environmental uh, culture that we find ourselves in. First of all, religion is a sign of intellectual weakness. And so sometimes people today will mock people like us, people yeah. of faith. They don't even deal with the, the statement that we make or the belief that we hold. They just, just laugh at us. Oh, you people are religious. And, and instantly uh, we're mocked simply for believing in God or believing in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, secondly, religion is a vehicle for social oppression. So once again, even in this debate on abortion, who's the main culprit? Who's the bad guy? It's the church. It's, it's the church that keeps saying abortion is wrong, that abortion is a sin. Uh, and so now we have uh, the, all this uh, uh, attacking of church facilities, of, of pro-life centers, because we're the bad guy. We're the oppressor in this, in this uh, game. Uh, religion, uh, I'm sorry, freedom uh, means abolishing religion. Uh, men and women are not made in the image and likeness of God, and religion is childish and oppressive. And we see all these folks even out front of the Supreme Court justices' houses wearing those red robes with the uh, the white hats or yeah. the red hats or whatever it is. The whole but TV, uh, the maiden, ten maidens, something, something yeah, whatever. But that's the picture, you know. Christianity is oppressive. It's stupid. It's childish. Yeah. It's moronic. It's outdated. It's bigoted. Um, and as we said, you know, everything now has become political. 
um, whether it's you know uh, uh, Disney jumping in or some major corporations, everything has become politicized. This is because of Marx. If you throw out anything transcendent, then everything has to be seen through the lens of power. And in our culture today, power is synonymous with government and with politics. And so literally, we're, as somebody has said, we're all Marxists now because everything around us is a political battle. Yeah. You know, everything is, is looking at the next election. And we understand elections are important, but I don't think ever in America have we, have we witnessed such a unhealthy focus on who we elect into office um, because now everything is about political power getting the most uh, people on your side so you can push your agenda yeah and uh, and it's really and whether it's the Boy Scouts or whether it's Disney or you know uh, whatever it's all been politicized and people need to understand this is really flowing out of Marxist ideology yeah, it's all politicized because it's all about power now it's not about persuasion it's not about finding common ground it's about a pre it's about one person having one side having power and pressing the other person. Right. So, about. so, so everything becomes yeah. political because yeah. we're all interconnected yeah. by the overall economic structures of society and thus to inequality and injustice. So yeah. everything is viewed through the lens of, of uh, in fact, one of the big words now is equity, not equality, equity. Equity means not equal opportunities, but equal outcomes. Yeah. We have to give everybody the same amount. Everybody gets the same square footage of a home. Everybody gets the same benefits. Everybody gets the same cookie cutter. Because that, in their mind, if all that exists is material, the material world, then everybody has to have the same amount of material things. Yeah. Yeah, what's, what's that uh, animal farm? Everyone's equal, but some people are more equal than <laughs> yeah, others. Exactly. Well, of course, because the ones, the ones running the farm, uh, they don't play by the same rule. And we've seen that. Um, but let's just kind of wrap this up today. Yeah. Um, this is what's sad. Marx's views and that of atheistic communism uh, are responsible for the deaths of about 100 million people worldwide. So when you look at the impact of a godless man, a wicked man, and you look at his uh, antichrist ideas, when they have played out in communist atheistic regimes, we have seen just the, the wholesale slaughter of people, uh, citizens, by their own governments to the tune of 100 million plus. Uh, this, this is incredibly sad and, uh, and shows you the, the futility and the stupidity of a worldview that starts with a, with a rejection of God. Of course, Marx hated free enterprise and capitalism, uh, concepts that were birthed in the Reformation. Uh, because he was a lazy slob, uh, uh, and I'm quoting a, an author here, a lazy slob who lived off the welfare of others, most notably Frederick Engels, who, uh, uh, who he partnered with to write the Communist Manifesto. So here, the, the irony of this, and we see this in our culture today, we have Marxists and neo-Marxists who hate capitalism, mm -hmm. but Marx couldn't even keep a job. He couldn't provide for his wife and kids. He mooched off of his rich friend, Frederick Engels, who also was a communist, whose family owned a very successful business, and he received basically an allowance from his rich father, who was running a successful business. So they used capitalism, they used the benefits of capitalism to attack the very system that was responsible for their welfare and well-being. It happens all the time. We yeah. see it all over America today. Yeah. We, got, we have a rich neo-Marxist today screaming about oppression, coordinating rallies to burn everything down on their iPhones. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the height of, uh, of hypocrisy, but it's all around us. 
Now, this is really, really sad here. Mark's had six kids, fathered six children. Three of them died of starvation while they were infants. Now, think about that. A, a man who will not even provide for his own family. Three of your children starved to death. Two others of his six children committed suicide. And only one of the six lived to adulthood. So, so Mark, this is, these people love the state because they have no responsibility whatsoever for their own wife and for their own children. That's why they want the big state. They want the state to take care of their kids. They don't want to be encumbered with that. This is an interesting true story about Marx. He once received a gift of 160 pounds, which is about $500. Did he pay his rent and support his wife and kids? No. He went on a two-month drinking binge with his buddies while his wife and child were evicted from their apartment. So this shows you the, the selfish, lazy person that Marx was as an individual, uh, that when he was blessed with some resources to help him, he didn't spend it on his wife or his children, or he wasn't responsible with it. He went on a drinking binge with it. He also favored a system of wives in common. Uh, so obviously he didn't uh, have a very high view of women. He just wanted to have a... Uh, a barn full of ladies he could enjoy uh, and not be committed to. Now, this was interesting. He was a mean, arrogant bully with few friends. And here's this man, Karl Marx, where we read about him, talk about him. We have all these classes, as you pointed out, Marxist yeah. treatment. Eleven people showed up at Marx's funeral because he was such a bully, such a, a narcissist, such a, a selfish, wicked, vile man. Uh, that 11 people show up at his funeral. I mean, this is crazy. And yet the, the, his ideas, his demonic ideas, his wicked ideas are still influencing us today. Uh, and I've never seen more Marxist ideology in America than, than what we are currently seeing right now. Yeah. Uh, and it really should be a cause of concern. So I always like to say, you know, why don't you look at the outcome of a person's life before you embrace what they're, you know, what they're sharing? Uh, what, look at the outcome of their worldview. And as we saw with Rousseau, as we saw with Marx, two godless men, uh, neither one of them cared for their wives. Neither one of them took care of their children. Rousseau had children that died as well from neglect. Uh, and yet these folks are celebrated in our culture today as almost, you know, radical uh, against the, the, the status quo kind of uh, rebels that, uh, that our culture seems to celebrate. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Marxism, alive and well in America. Anytime you hear of the oppressor, oppressed people, words like equity, um, uh, exploitation, social justice, uh, a lot of these terms are coming not from a Christian worldview, but from a decidedly Marxist or neo-Marxist template. Uh, the oppression of, of white males against uh, every every other group in society is all Marxism. And you need to hear it loudly and clearly. When you hear the family attacked, uh, why is the family unit being attacked? That's that's a Marxist idea. Uh, when you hear about the, you know, agitation and stirring people up and, and, and uh, uh, causing cities to be burned down and, and looting and all this kind of stuff. This is all coming out of a Marxist ideology for revolutionary social change. Burn the system down, burn it all down, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Easy to burn stuff down, hard to build it back up. There you go. And I think something about Marxism, people talk about the genius of Marxism in class work. 
I think why Marxism is still alive is not be because of the idea that is so revolutionary. I think it just ties into some deeper, deeper, uh, dark desires of the human hearts. So it just simply kind of puts structure, put words to uh, the idea of victimization. Like it's not my, it's not my responsibility. Um, it's someone else's fault. I mean, we all fall prey to those. I mean, we all fall prey in our dark times when we feel like uh, God's against me, other people are against me. We always fall to those kind of lower instincts where God's like, no, man, you're a son, you're a daughter. Yeah. You're not a victim, you're not a slave, right. you know? And so there's a deep spiritual undertone to all of this. And that's why it's alive and well, because I, it probably alive and well until Christ comes again, because, Absolutely. because these feelings and these desires are still in our hearts. You know, I think the, the sting of injustice whether it's racial injustice, whether it's economic injustice, whatever it is, um, it hurts and it's real. And and unfortunately, we're not going to ever see perfect justice in a fallen world. That, that's one of the beauties of the gospel is that uh, the king is coming and he is going to uh, bring perfect justice. Every person will stand before the Lord. Every, nations will give an account before the Lord. Um, and, uh, and so... Justice is coming, and, and our worldview explains the injustices that are around us. We don't embrace it, we don't celebrate it, we grieve over it, and we have a mandate to work toward justice, yeah. but our justice has to come from a biblical understanding, a God-centered understanding, not a Marxist understanding. And so even in the church today, I just want to say, you know, all this wokeness, all this people wearing the t-shirt, marching in the parade, standing up for social justice, um, you got the wrong worldview you're trying to operate from. Uh, and it does not produce good fruit at all. Yeah. Uh, so we've got to get back to a Christian worldview. We've got to get back to being rooted in the gospel and a Christ-centered, God-centered uh, understanding of this broken, fallen world. And, uh, and our worldview gives answers. Uh, yeah, and our, our ultimate solution is changing the hearts and minds of soul through through the Holy Spirit, through removing the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can change infrastructure and laws and all you want. If the heart's not changed, you know, you're just going, you're bucking against the system. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. so, I hope you've enjoyed this today. We're gonna we're gonna take up uh, next week with another scoundrel. We're we're gonna be talking about a lot of scoundrels from this point on, uh, and the bad ideas that create bad results. Uh, you know, we talk about this on our podcast. Ideas have consequences, and we're gonna see the consequences of some really bad ideas. But all in all, we hope it helps you make sense of this crazy world in which we find ourselves today. So, uh, thanks again for tuning in. We love and appreciate your comments. Please uh, let us know. Uh, if these, if these podcasts are helpful to you. And uh, until then, we'll see you next Thursday.